0: From time to time at Redeemer, we stop to think about a more general issue, um, not tied to one passage, and this week we're going to spend some time thinking about the topic of commitment. Um, Please rest assured that this is not a reaction to anything that's happened recently. Greg and I settled on this uh, topic quite a while ago. Um, Rather than one reading at the start, um, I'll be using several shorter readings um, that I'll ask Kathleen to, to give us as we go along. Um, What are you committed to? I googled quotes on commitment and found a whole list of what what it is to commit on a wonderfully named site, UnleashTheAwesome.com I'll read a few. Um, Commitment leads to action. Action brings your dream closer. Motivation is what gets you started. Commitment is what keeps you going. Commitment is an act, not a word and I think my favourite one, you always have two choices, your commitment versus your fear. There's a lot of truth in these. If we think about it, we're all committed to many things in life. Some of them are good things to commit to, our jobs, our families, musical instrument, physical exercise or a sport, and commitment in these these things is good for us. Um, If we are committed to our job, we earn a wage, we might get promoted, we'll get a good reference, Commitment to a music instrument means you can bless others by performance. Um, commitment to exercise result a good physical health. Um, but if you think hard, um, even if we don't use the word commitment, we're probably committed to a whole raft of other things, which when we ask ourselves, is this productive, um, that's probably no. I think we all have shallow commitments. If you measure commitment according to time spent doing them, my shallow commitments are, in no particular order, and Ruth would attest to this, Manchester United and the England cricket team, pictures of planes, and on a recent holiday, the Settlers of Catan Seafarers expansion app. None of these are bad things in in themselves, and rest and leisure pursuits can be good things. In fact, God commands us to rest, but um, I'm not here to talk about those today, the shallow commitments. Today I want to share a few Bible passages and thoughts on what it looks like to pursue and aspire to deeper, infinitely more meaningful, meaningful commitment. Deeper even than commitment to the good things I listed above. Commitment to the Christian faith. Um, for those of you visiting or recently started coming, here at Redeemer we have a system of membership whereby anyone who has accepted Christ and calls this church their spiritual home are able and encouraged to become members of this church. As part of this, we have a document which asks people to think about how far they feel aligned to both our doctrinal beliefs and what we call habits of a member. We have seven habits. Abiding in Christ, being part of a missional community, mission, service, Repentance, generosity, and Sunday morning gatherings. And each of the full wording of these habits begins with the words, I am committed. So commitment is something we value highly. I think it's fair to say it's a non-negotiable part of being a member of this church. We don't require perfection. And we accept that there are some areas we find easier to be committed in than others. But... All of these areas, in all of these areas, we ask and encourage our members to pursue and aspire to growth in their commitment. Um, I'm not going to go through all seven of the areas, but I think they all fall into one of three sort of broader categories, um, which are captured in the identity statement of Redeemer we've got here. We are a gospel formed family on mission, gospel formed, committed to God, family committed to each other and on mission committed to mission um, I'm now going to take a Bible passage on each to explore, explore them, firstly Kathleen could you read John fifteen five to 8
1: yep. I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples.
0: Thanks. So in this passage, John is addressing his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. If you like, he's, give, he's giving them his last pep talk. The metaphor, the vine of the branches, is a beautiful one. Um, in it, we can see three strands of abiding, um, abiding in, in, in God. Dependence, permanence, and total oneness. Firstly, dependence... Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that's a pretty radical idea for us, and certainly for the world. Um, The huge industry that is self-help considers self-reliance to be the cornerstone of well-being, the idea that you can be happy and achieve things just by taking on a state of mind or practicing certain psychological mantras. Now, Jesus is saying here, without me, you can do nothing. And if you don't remain in me, you'll wither. And the next bit is even more alarming. Jesus doesn't mince his words. Branches which don't remain in the vine are thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is talking about hell here. I don't want to use fear as a tactic for encouraging growth, but I can't skip over this verse. It's a loving warning from a loving God who doesn't want to see his children go this way. If a child is playing in the road and you see a lorry coming, you warn them, right? Right? Secondly, permanence. This is a long-term abiding. Once branches have grown, they stick around. We're not, the le- we're not the leaves which fall off every year. We're not the grapes which are harvested and pressed into wine. We're the branches. Jesus is proposing a long-term commitment. Thirdly, total oneness. A branch is, is totally part of the whole plant. It's not just half-attached. It's all too easy for our faith to become one of our multiple identities, along with, for example, our nationality, our profession, our sporting allegiances. What Jesus is suggesting here is that we're to be wholly connected to him. So what does it look like to commit to abiding in God? What does it look like to commit to to being a branch? Well, you spend time with them. You spend time with God in listening to him and speaking to him or even just resting in his presence. And abiding in God looks exactly like that. Uh, listening to him, reading his word, speaking to him through prayer. How committed are we to the above? Um, I know for a fact that I can grow a lot in this area. Um, I want to be committed in this area. I long to be but I don't think um, I, tr- I truly, perfectly am. In the routine of everyday life, getting up for work, feeding the boys, feeding myself, it's all too easy for the small moments of spare time we do have to be used by leisure. Watching TV, looking at Facebook, playing a game on your phone. None of these are bad in themselves, but if we, if we were to do just a less of each of these each day to spend time in the Word and pray well, then we'd be pursuing and committing to abiding in God. Now, many of you might do this, but I'm certain that some, maybe, maybe most of you or all of you, wish you did it more. And wishing and aspiring to do something is good up to a point, but ultimately has no value until you do it. If you're a Christian here today, I'm sure I don't need to persuade you of the value of spending regular time in the Word. But to take one example... What if spending time in the Word before you begin each day were to change your mindset as you go through it? Orienting yourself to God, which leads to contentment, could have a big positive impact on the daily grind. Things may still be difficult. They will still be difficult. But if you have a mindset with with Christ at the centre, you can think about them differently. Praying also is is a big part of abiding in God. Communal prayer as a church family is a great thing. But personal, private prayer throughout the day is wonderful. is a wonderful fruit of abiding in God. They don't have to be long. They could just be a quick prayer for guidance in a particular situation, difficult experience, prayers of thanks when, when or if they turn out positively, positively, even when they don't turn out positively, um, or the way we'd hoped rather, we can still be thankful to God for using these experiences to shape and mould our character. And it won't be for nothing. Look at the rewards. Verse 8, you will bear fruit uh, for the glory of God and also um, whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So let's move on to committing to each other and um, Kathleen, could you read Acts two forty four to 47? Thanks. Uh,
1: did anybody want a Bible, by the way? Because I forgot to mention it. So, yeah. Acts 2, verses 44 to 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
0: Okay, thank you. So the early church um, described here in Acts, um, it's been held up here uh, by Luke as an example that we can aspire to. They had everything in common. That meant they considered nothing none of their possessions to be exclusively their own, but belonging to their church family, and would happily sell them to help brothers and sisters in need. Every day, they committed to meeting each other, meeting together, every day. I realise the demands of work in life might make this practically difficult, but we' now have the benefit of technology. What if we committed to texting someone from church every day? to see how their day was and encourage them with a verse. And what was the result of this unity, this fellowship? Well, verse 47 tells us, many more came to know Christ. How we act towards each other as a family is the signboard of God's love here in Charlton for people to see. Yes, we have a physical sign, but far more powerful is the signboard of a Christ-centered community characterized by sacrificial love towards one another can i encourage you i know for a fact that this witness has been a key factor in some of our visitors becoming regulars so commitment to each other is also commitment to mission and speaking of that um, can we have the third reading please matthew 28
1: 18 to 20 all authority in heaven and on earth ...has been given to me. Therefore, go... I've left the other page. (laughs) Sorry, I'll start again, then it'll be a bit more coherent. Um, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit... And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
0: Thanks. Um, There's no mistaking the command Jesus is giving us here. Uh, It can be ignored and sadly is ignored by by some churches, but to my mind, it, it cannot be misinterpreted. Jesus wants us to tell others about him. And in this room, there's many people who are bored with this statement, completely. I know I might be preaching to the choir a bit here, but sometimes we need a reminder of how clear a command Jesus gives in this. Make disciples of all nations. Make disciples in Charlton. And we committed to this. But we don't have to do it on our own. In the same breath as commanding us to mission, Jesus assures us that he will be with us. And we also... We have each other. This is the goal of our missional communities to do mission together, to sow the seed of the gospel right here on Wilbraham Road, on Barnamore Road, on every road in Charlton. So, what are the barriers of commitment that we have? What stops us committing? I think the first is the fear of missing out FOMO. If you're committed to something, it necessarily requires sacrifice and putting that thing above others. If we're committed to Sunday morning gatherings, we can't lie in. If we're committed to missional community, we can't watch the midweek football. I can't watch the midweek football. Or whatever you might do on on a weeknight. If we're committed to spending time in God's word every day, something has to give. If we're honest, our sinful hearts resent this. They resent the restriction of choice which commitment brings. Not being able to do those other things. The idea that we are free to do whatever we like, when we like, is so pervasive in our secular culture that disciplined commitment, especially to a religion, looks at best a bit weird and at worst wasteful and delusional. Another, one, another barrier might be that the results of committing to Christ aren't always immediate. In fact, Jesus teaches many times that we will face persecution for believing in him. That the world will hate us. But he promises, he promises us the unimaginable reward of eternal life with him. And nothing about, nothing about commitment is easy. It is hard. Because we have sinful hearts which fight against it. And the devil schemes to draw us away from it. It will always be a struggle. But I believe there are some truths that we can cling to. To try to help us in the nitty gritty of doing it firstly God has committed to us by willingly going to a painful death to blot out our sin we have the most amazing example to follow not that we need to pay him back but because we are perfect in his sight as we are but if when we're struggling to commit we look to the cross we can allow our gratitude and joy to overflow and spur us on Another thing that might help make committing slightly easier is it's not just what God has done for us, but who God is. Yes, he is Lord of creation and the ultimate judge, but he's also our friend. We can have a relationship with him. Isn't it easier to commit to a friend than just your boss or a stranger? Because you love your friend. Now, I'm not trying to take on the role of the coach on the side of the pitch saying, you need to commit. Now, forcing people to change just by telling them rarely works and just brings resentment. Now, change needs to come from within. As we have seen in the Bible today, we are commanded to commit. But God's gospel of grace, um, if it has penetrated us deeply, can help us to commit. I want to mention one last passage where Jesus himself speaks on the topic of commitment.
1: This is Luke 9, verse 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, For service in the kingdom of God
0: thank you I'm not going to say much about this passage because I think it speaks pretty clearly for itself Uh, here Jesus is demanding and commanding complete commitment of those who wish to follow him Jesus says here that no earthly thing, even burying a family member comes above following him let the dead bury their own dead He's not talking literally here. What he means is that they are spiritually dead. And what kind of farmer would plow a field while looking backwards? I doubt any of us are farmers, but many of us are drivers. Would you ever consider driving down a motorway while staring in the rearview mirror? Jesus says something, someone who does this is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. So there's a difficult question for us here. What are we looking back at? If Jesus came to judge tomorrow and called us into his presence, is there something you wouldn't want to let go? So I can imagine a few different categories of Christians sitting in this room today that I just want to address. Firstly, the committed and long-standing member of Redeemer. You don't need to be chided or rebuked. There are many people There are many people in this room who fit this category. And I want to encourage you to keep living a life of service and commitment to what God is doing here in Chiltern. But maybe somewhere in what I've said today, there are parts where you've thought, yeah, I can can definitely grow in commitment there. And as I said, use the wonder of the cross and the Spirit's power working in you to pursue that. I know for a fact that none of you, myself included, will be perfect in this area. In fact, it's impossible to be so. But we can aspire and pursue, and I encourage you to do that. Secondly, you might be a Christian visiting Redeemer here today. You might have been a Christian all your life. Or for many years, you may believe in the gospel of grace and resurrection. But maybe you've never really thrown your weight behind your faith. If you imagine being on trial for being a Christian... Other than Sundays, the prosecution, would it be scratching around a bit for evidence? Can I encourage you to start today? And not that I'm a perfect example, I'm not. But as someone who's pursuing it, commitment, I can say it, it, it although it's sometimes difficult, it can be incredibly no, it is incredibly rewarding and uplifting. And you may be a Christian for whom this isn't your first visit to Redeemer. Um, can I appeal to you? Would you prayerfully commit, prayerfully consider, uh, committing to Redeemer? Less than one percent of the population of children attend a gospel teaching church. The harvest is plentiful, and all, although we're growing, the workers are still few. By the way, I'm not I'm not trying to be insular here and, and build up the church for the sake of getting more bums on seats. I'm asking because we humbly believe that we are a church, we as a church are seeking to proclaim God's word and gospel in Charlton. If Redeemer ever loses interest in this or starts to preach a different gospel, and I've checked this bit with Greg, um, you can leave. Talk to us first, but this is not a call to commit to Redeemer no matter what. Thirdly, You might not even be a Christian here today. You don't believe the gospel. You may not even believe in God, let alone be committing to Christianity. Can I say to you, it was still God's plan that you're here today. Although much of what I said has been geared towards Christians, maybe hearing about it, looking in from the outside, has sparked something in you, a longing for a deeper purpose in life. A longing for a relationship with a loving God. A longing for fellowship with a family of believers. These in themselves are not the main reasons for becoming a Christian. That is being captured by the gospel of grace. But if you are searching, wondering, speak to myself or anyone who's been at the front, we'd love to help you. And for everyone here, in any area of life, commitment is good for you. Commitment in earthly things, as I said, brings its own reward. But These things are good, but they pale in comparison to the fulfilling reward in the present and eternal reward in the future to be gained by committing to God, committing to church family and committing to mission. And we don't have to do it on our own strength. In fact, we couldn't do it in our own strength. God has sent his spirit to dwell in us and to pursue intimacy with him. I want to end by repeating, Redeemer Church, we are a gospel-formed family on mission. We can't be that if we are not pursuing in our lives commitment to God, to each other, and to God's mission here in Charlton. And what better way to motivate ourselves than by remembering the cross, to remember the commitment that God has showed us, going willingly to the cross. He was so committed to us that he went to a painful death to blot out our sin and make us perfect and blameless in God's sight by taking communion we are declaring our status as followers of Jesus we take the bread to remember God's blood God's Jesus body is broken for us and we remember God's blood poured out for us So this is a meal for anyone who has accepted God's love for them and displayed God's love for them displayed on the cross whether you're a member of Redeemer have been coming here a while or just visiting if you trust Jesus this meal is for you but if you haven't made that step if you haven't committed to Christ we love that you're here and you're welcome but please just take this time to think about what you've heard we don't want you to make a statement of something you don't believe yet. We're going to sing in a minute, so during the during the songs, just come up and take some bread and dip it in the wine or juice and eat it, remembering that the, remembering the commitment to us displayed through Jesus' death as you do. If you've never done this before, maybe this morning is where you start. Let's pray. Lord, we're sorry when we commit to the things of this earth more than we commit to you. By Jesus' blood, please forgive us of this sin. And we pray that by your spirit we can live lives that are wholeheartedly committed to abiding in you, living as a family and proclaiming your word. Amen.